Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. Morning. See if I can hook this contraption up. Not used to doing it Mike's way, so I'm going to work on that. But uh, thankful to be with you all this morning. And uh, before I guess, before I start, I would just like to say a quick thank you. As I pulled in uh, yesterday, I was here working on some technology and I drove up and I thought, man, this yard really looks good. And how many times do we thank those guys who work every week to keep this place looking nice? I think maybe some gals too back there, but thank you very much. We appreciate it. And I also want to say thank you to Audrey. I guess they put me up there in the front and not in the back, so I didn't know it was up there. Uh, she's covering back there for me and doing a really good job. So uh, this is probably not the title you would expect from a guy like me, who's almost as old as Tom. Uh, and a bit challenged when it comes to social media. But um, Kayla turned 16. Sorry. Guess I need to keep my handkerchief. This is why I like to work in the back, because then you guys don't have to watch this. <laughs> but uh, so we had a celebration for her this week. and. Um, Part of that was getting her room fixed up. She got her room painted and pictures and stuff. And on her dresser, and I got to quit this. I got a long ways to go. Um, on her dresser, she had a picture frame that I didn't realize it at the time, but there was no picture in it. And so the picture said something about but first a selfie or something like that. And the selfie word was great big. And flowers and swirlies around it. And it just got me to thinking. And uh, in my Bible reading that week, this last week, I was reading in Daniel about Nebuchadnezzar. And all of a sudden it all kind of came together in my mind. You know... Uh, an interesting thought. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to help me especially and that you will hear what he wants you to hear and not just my words. Father, I do thank you for this time that we can gather together. Lord, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that we can do streaming and we can see each other online and I'm grateful that... We were able to meet together in the parking lot, and even though we couldn't be in the room together, we were together as a body, and we could worship you. But Lord, there's nothing just quite like a room full of people lifting their voices in song to you. So Lord, we thank you for this time that we have, and I pray that you'll speak to us through your bird today. 
and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I uh, pondered the selfie thing, some of you people that are my age, do you even know what a selfie is? I had to look it up, so. Uh, let me get my glasses on here. The definition of selfie is a photograph that one takes of themselves. Now, as of 2013, I think they said, it's typically taken with a smartphone or a webcam and typically posted to social media. But who knows who took the first selfies? Anybody know who took the first selfie? The man's name was Robert Cornelius back in 1839. He's considered to be the first guy to take a selfie. He set up a box camera and took a picture of himself. And that's technically the first selfie that was ever taken. Interesting thought. Um, I was curious how many selfies are taken. Does anybody have any idea how many selfies get taken? Too many, yes. Do you know? You're probably close because in last year on May 31st, uh, Google posted that on the Android devices that are connected to Google, there's 93 million selfies every day. 93 million every day. Yeah, you were close. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot of selfies. And, you know, I'm not here to bash selfies or anything like that. Um, but it got me to thinking. Um, we in America especially, but worldwide, we are very self-centered, very self-focused. It's all about me. What can I get? How can I... How fast can I get it? If it hurts somebody else, it doesn't matter. It's all about what can we get for ourselves. Basically, it comes down to I want it when I want it, how I want it, the way I want it, and nobody better get in the way of that. And so in our world today, I mean, that's just kind of the way, that's where we're at. And it's sad that we, we are there but it's a reality. So how do we as Christians, what do we do? Are we supposed to live that way? Are we supposed to be different? So this morning, I want to go to the book of Daniel, and I want to take a look at a story there uh, that talks about a man who was very self-centered and very much big on himself. And let's just kind of follow that story through and see. So just to kind of set the scene for you, uh, in the beginning of Daniel chapter one, it talks about how uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came down and he sieged Jerusalem. He took the king and many of the people and even took, it says uh, in chapter one that notes that even took some articles from the temple of God back to his temple of his God. And so um, probably most of you may know, some of you may not, but most of us would remember that along with the king and those that went were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and they went to Babylon along with everybody else. So uh, 
they're there, they're taken into service of the king, they're being trained, and um, at some point in the time there, the king has a dream. And he is very troubled about this dream, but he doesn't even remember the dream. And he calls in his wise men and wants to know what the interpretation is, and they keep saying, you know, just tell us the dream, and we'll let you know. And he said, no, you're stalling, you're just trying to fool me, you know. You tell me what the dream was and what it meant. Anyway, in the end, uh, they can't do it, and they find Daniel, who I believe at that point in time was in prison, and they cleaned him up, and they brought him out to the king, and he listens to the king's edict, and he goes back and he prays, and he says, Lord, help me with this, and God gives him the interpretation of the dream. And so at that point in time, then Daniel kind of becomes a part of the kingdom, and they, they begin to, to be more involved in moving up. Now, when we get into chapter 3, here's where I call, this is what I call the ultimate selfie, okay? This guy, King Nebuchadnezzar, builds a gold statue of himself that's 90 feet high and 10 feet wide. Can you imagine a gold statue 90 feet tall? That would be the ultimate selfie right there. Um, but he builds this thing and he commands that everybody, I mean, it says the satraps and the prefects and the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials come to dedicate this thing. And we all know the story about the three boys who refuse to bow and they get thrown in the furnace. And at that point in time, the king looks and he says, wait, didn't we throw three guys in there? I see four. And scripture says, and the fourth appeared as if the son of, son of man. And so at that point, I think a tiny little light goes on in the king's head. He's still not ready to say this is God, but he says, this is Daniel's God. So let's read here. Let me see if I can work, work this thing here now. I'll turn my mouse on. Uh, let's read in Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read uh, 28 and 29. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. So at this point, Nebuchadnezzar realizes this guy's, this God is real. Like he, he is powerful, but he has not, as you can tell by the wording there, taken him for himself yet. Okay, so this is kind of where we come into where I want to be today, into Daniel chapter 4. And uh, so at this point, the king is recognizing there is a God who is very great and powerful, but he has not yet made, it, made him his, okay? And so um, let's go ahead and move into uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, 
May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. And so he's acknowledging here that this is a God who is great and wonderful and powerful and mighty. And it seems now at this point that God is a little more real to Nebuchadnezzar uh, than he was back at the fiery furnace. And so let's kind of go through this a little bit and see what happened in that time span that may have caused this change. So in between chapter 3 and chapter 4, uh, and in chapter 4 then, the king has another dream. And he dreams about this big tree and its glory and majesty and how this being from heaven comes down out of heaven and chops down the tree. And uh, so the king again calls for the magicians to interpret this and to, and to uh, you know, let him know what's, what's this all about. And again, they cannot tell him. And so, <laughs> interesting, the scripture says, and finally they brought Daniel in. So I don't know why they always waited on Daniel, except that he was a Hebrew probably, I don't know. Uh, but finally they brought Daniel in, and Daniel tells the king about the dream and what it means. And so we're going to pick it up again here in verse 19 of chapter 4. So then Daniel, who was also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time. And this is after the king has just told him the dream, and now he's realizing what the dream means, and he's about to uh, give that to the king. So he was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, having nesting places in its branches for the birds. You, majesty, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. And so, as... Daniel gives this interpretation uh, of the dream. It seems that um, the king had recognized who God was, but he still wasn't, wasn't living in a way that would be honoring to God. And so if you look at the, um, at the scriptures then, 
uh, at the end of the interpretation, Daniel actually pleads with the king, king, please give up your wicked ways and, you know, and live righteously and holy, and maybe this won't happen to you. And he kind of pleads with him there. So we move on uh, through Daniel chapter four, and we pick up again then in, uh, I believe it's in verse 29 now. Um, 12 months later, so a year later, so the king has this dream, Daniel interprets the dream, pleads with the king, king, you know, t turn around, stop being who you are and start living, you know, as a person should, and the king just evidently kept on. So 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power, by my mighty power, and for the glory of my majesty? Boy, that's pretty self-centered, that's pretty proud. Uh, even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. And I got to hit the other button. So um, what was prophesied in the dream has now, is now coming to pass. And so reading on then, immediately... What had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored and then I praised the Most High. So it took seven years eating grass out with the animals, living in the weather of rain and whatever they had there, snow, sleet, hail, I don't know. Uh, but seven years living as an animal, what a contrast from what I have built by my glory and my majesty, what a contrast. Uh, but evidently that's what it took for this guy for God to get through. So now. He says, then I praised the Most High, I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and my splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride he is able to humble. So what a contrast there from that verse to that one we started with where he said, I built this and me and my and all of that. So the king finally recognizes um, that there is a God who, regardless of how important he was, how big he was, how powerful he was, and at that time, he was over most of the known world. I mean, he was... 
his reach was far reaching as the, as the dream indicated. He was over everything. And um, so the question then comes to my mind, what do I need to do? Because I don't want to spend seven years eating grass with the animals, okay? So what can we do as Christian people to continue walking our walk of life without becoming proud and arrogant and self-centered and focused on me. And so uh, just a couple points here. I've got three things here and uh, we'll be wrapping it up. But uh, three things here that we can do um, to help us. First of all, we can love one another. Scripture says... A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if we love Christ, then he has asked us to love one another. And if we're loving one another, we are not putting ourselves in the front. We are looking around to see what can I do for who can I help? What can I pray for for them? What can I do? And it helps to keep our focus on those around us because if you love someone, you're, you're concerned about them. Like Jesse said about his wife, you know, not only does she want to know him, but she wants him to care about her and to do things for her and love her and, and, and watch over her. That's all part of. And so as we're doing that with one another, it's helping us to lessen the time that we think about ourselves, okay? Point number two, put others ahead of yourself. Scripture here is Philippians 2, 2 through 8. So make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Boy, has anybody else ever done something out of selfish ambition? I have, I know that. Um, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Man, think about that. You're the son of God. What could I do? Man, I could make me a place out there that would be on the hill. I mean, everybody would drive by. And he didn't do that. It says he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He came to earth as a baby, didn't even get a hospital, man. He had to use a manger and a cow shed. Um, but he came and he gave his life the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have eternal life. And so I'm not saying it couldn't happen that one of us would give our life for somebody else. Probably not. Most of us are going to have to do that. But we are to prefer one another ahead of ourselves and thus keep ourselves from getting to that point where we are number one and everybody else can fly a kite.
And the last one, number three, forgive one another as you have been forgiven. And for this one, I'm in Corinthians chapter three, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So what is there out of all the other stuff that will really help us focus on others and not ourselves, and that is forgiving those who offend us for whatever reason. Jesse put dark purple carpet on the platform and I wanted pink. <laughs> and I'm offended. <laughs> you know, we, we, we sometimes get offended over the silliest things. Uh, at the time, it seems so very important. Uh, but looking back, most of the time we see probably wasn't that important after all. So I just want to close with this thought, and that is, if we are faithful to keep our eyes on Jesus and to love others as he loved us, I believe it will keep our focus in the right place and keep us from being completely centered on ourselves. Let us pray. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.